This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Law. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rough day at the office right there. But, uh, but hey, you live and you learn, you grow. Uh, we're going to find a way to get better from it. First, uh, for, for a guy that had a bunch of quarterback hits, five sacks, uh, I, I, you, you could see that it weared on him as the game went on. Uh, he, he didn't trust his protection. He was, was moving in the pocket too much. He was throwing off his back foot. He had some wide open guys and, you know, just, just felt the pressure and never could get settled uh, to be able to go through his progressions. Uh, so overall, you know, offensive line-wise, I was disappointed uh, in, how they, in how they played uh, because, again, you got to, to games like this, to, to come up here and play this, uh, this defense that's going to play you in a five-man front, you got to win in the trenches, and we did not, uh, we did not do that. Like defensively, they played all four quarters. I felt like offensively, you know, they, they – they continued to play, but their mindset, they kind of conceded the victory to, uh, to Illinois, and I was disappointed. That everything that, that we're going to see on tape is fixable. Uh, it's, it's it, and as I told him in the locker room, it wasn't it, it wasn't about uh, credit to Illinois. You know they did what they needed to do uh, to win the game. Uh, but if you look at it, those first couple drives and plus territory, it was on us. It was penalty, penalty. We got a bad snap. We're snapping the ball over the quarterback's head, right? We're we're not we're not doing our uh, what we're supposed to do in five man protections when we squeeze the a gap to make sure that they, we throw hot off the end. So just things that uh, that we drilled all week uh, and showed them. Uh, but you got it, man. You got to stay locked in. And and for those guys up front uh this is a great lesson for them you know they're still learning each other they're still learning how to play together and and if you're if you're a step too late right it's bad if you're a step too early it's bad so you got to be precise especially with uh, with offensive football so uh, all the things uh, that i saw in the game are correctable uh it's just a matter of of making sure that throughout the course of the week that you have the right mindset from a preparation standpoint and understand that the the separation is in the preparation and, and obviously we didn't do a good job as coaches uh and having them prepared and then we got a challenge i got challenge the staff myself and the players all to make sure that we own the mistakes uh, that we that we don't point fingers, that we don't try and, and and pass the blame on anybody else, but look at the man in the mirror. And if we do that, then we'll learn from from this uh, this experience, and hopefully, it'll make us better going forward. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jack Franchuli for Wahoo's twenty four seven, and it really isn't a good morning for Virginia football. And um, we heard it from Tony Elliott. He said it was a rough day at the office, and. Boy, was it a rough day. And before we kind of dive into recapping the loss to Illinois, they lost 24-3, to let's talk about one head coach in Virginia Athletics that is not having a rough day at the office, and that is Coach Mox from the women's basketball program. Just a quick note, if you didn't know, she picked up another big local commitment. Kimora Johnson, a stud guard from St. Anne's Belfield, decided to stay home. She committed to Virginia on Sunday evening. This is quite a win for Coach Mox, who's also been able to secure 
Olivia McGee, a Louisa County product. And of course, Sam Brunel came home through the transfer portal. So she is doing quite the job for that women's basketball program. So I felt like I needed to start the podcast with some bright, shiny news before diving in to the game. Again, Coach Mox is doing stellar work on the recruiting trail, and she may not be done. So keep an eye on, on Wahoos 24-7. Um, it's certainly an exciting time if you are a UVA women's hoops fan and if you're a UVA men's basketball fan. Keep an eye out, too. So let's get into um, some football. Um, it wasn't pretty. Uh, let's uh, bring up, if you're on YouTube right now, you'll be able to see the stats as I'm talking throughout the game. And if you're on Wahoos 24-7, this stat sheet was available on the game thread um, and also in the final game blog post as well. So this was not a good day for Virginia football because just when you look at these stats, 42 yards rushing, they averaged 1.4 yards per carry. They had 222 total yards of offense. That is the lowest offensive production since 2017. They had three points off of four takeaways. The Virginia defense forced four turnovers, and UVA's offense only was able to manage three points. All those three points came in that first quarter. They went one of 16 on third down, and that, that, one, that one conversion was a holding call on the defense where they got an automatic first down. So it, it was a rough day on third down. In that first quarter, they had nine yards of total offense. The second quarter, they managed to move the ball a little bit better. They didn't get a score from it, but they managed to move the ball a little bit better. And then they had six yards of total offense in the third quarter. It was it was a rough outing. Um, if you watch the game, there was a couple of obvious storylines that came out of it. Obviously, one of the biggest storyline was the offensive line. Um, when you look at the offensive line, they they had a rough outing. Uh, the five, they, uh, Illinois brought five guys up front, and even when they only brought three guys, it, it just it. Brendan Armstrong was throwing from his back foot. He just didn't have time. He had guys on his face almost the entire game. And even when he did have time, it seemed like some wide receivers couldn't get separation. And at that point, it seemed that Brendan Armstrong was a little bit rattled. It was something that, you know, I have not seen from Brendan when I've been covering the Virginia beat. You know, I remember watching him last season. And even when he had pressure, it seemed like he was comfortable getting out of the pocket um, to make a play or an extend a play, and I just didn't see that against Illinois. That was a that was something that was I want to say jarring, but it, it was something that stood out to me. That was not the Brendan Armstrong that I was used to. Um, it just it he was it wasn't he wasn't playing like himself. Uh, that that was certainly evident, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that he didn't have time. He was sacked five times. He there was nine tackles for a loss. The defense for Illinois defense, and there was five quarterback pressures. It's going to be a tough outing for any quarterback if you're facing them on a pressure for the game. So the offensive line in the beginning of the game in the first quarter, they started with from left to right: Mikael Boley, John Paul Flores, Ty Furnish, Derek Devine, and Logan Taylor. About midway through the first quarter, they adjusted a little bit because they, you know, they noticed Coach Tuj noticed that things were weren't going great. Um, there was a lot of lapse, mental lapses on that front. There was high snaps from Ty Furnish a few times. 
There's also penalties, false starts, that stuff that negated possible movement of the offense, <laughs> moving the chains. It was negated by some mental absence from those guys up front. So he adjusts a little bit on the offensive line. He moved Logan Taylor from right tackle to left tackle. Um, then you had John Paul Flores still right there at guard. Kai Furnish at center. Um, then you got Derek Devine. And then you had Jonathan Leach. Now, I, this line, although I'm not, it's comparative. It's, it's aptly, you know, they, they were a little bit better. I, I'm not saying they're stupendous, but they were a little bit better. Um, and then to be fair to Derek Devine, he did have some flashes where he was a, a, a good run blocker. I think that was one thing where he did have some good flashes. Uh, if you remember the the long Paris Jones run that he had in the first quarter, that was a, a nice block from from Divine. So it, there were some good flashes from these from some of these guys. Um, the biggest thing when I was looking at this game was I was just asking myself, "Where's Noah Josie?" He did such a you know when he was act, asked to come in against Richmond. He was pretty stable. He was he was one of those guys that looked pretty consistent out there. So I'm wondering what it is. You know, obviously I'm not in practice. Um, and everything we've heard about Noah Josie seems that like he was doing great and progressing really well. And he had some times with the ones too during practice in fall camp. Um, he was one of those guys that you know we were keeping an eye on because he had so many reps during the spring. And when you when you look at this, you're thinking, why didn't he come in? Um, there was a lot of times when this offensive line wasn't getting any push. The, the Illinois D line can pretty much do what they wanted. It, it wasn't, it, it felt like sometimes they just, they had that first initial push and then they kind of let it go. Um, they didn't. Uh, so it, it, it just felt like Illinois was quicker and stronger up front. Uh, that's all it really kind of summed up to. And actually I'm going to change. I'm going to take away the stats here just for a second if you're on YouTube, and I'm actually going to share another screen with you right now. And the reason why I'm doing that, and again, if you're a Wahoo's 24-7 subscriber, I do this every every game day. Um, I I really try to rewatch the game. Here it is. I, I really try to rewatch the game so that you don't have to, or if you want to just, you know, kind of go with somebody and rewatch it. So what there's a gift that you're you're being shown right here is of one of the plays in the first quarter that that basically just sums up what happened. The Illinois defense just basically just went right through the Virginia offense. There was no pushback or anything. This was Brennan Armstrong handing off the ball to Paris Jones and Paris Jones didn't have a chance to breathe. It was it was like if you count, let's see, one, two. That's it. That's how much time Paris Jones had it. So here we go again. Paris Jones gets the ball. One, two. There you go. He's hit. That's how quick this was coming at these guys. Um, it, it just, and this was, it looked like uh, Mikhail Boley was a beat on the outside as well as John Paul Flores. But honestly, everyone was coming. It, it was the whole whole front line and uh, the linebacker. Everyone was coming up front from the, from the only defense. So it, it, it was certainly... Not not the best performance from the offensive line. All right, so it wasn't the best day for Brennan Armstrong. Um, he had no touchdown passes, and that snaps his consecutive streak of touchdown passes for Virginia. He was a school record at that point. He threw for two interceptions. He had 13 for 32 and 180 yards. 
that's not a typical Brennan Armstrong day. Um, and when you were watching him, it felt like sometimes, although even sometimes where he had more time than he than he thought, he just didn't trust his protection. At that point, that towards around the second, third quarter, you noticed that where even when he did have time, he just didn't trust it. Um, and he would stare down receivers. There was a couple of times where I was watching him. was like, you're looking right at Keaton Thompson, or you're looking right at Dontavon Wicks. These, these two particular passes I remember was because in the first quarter, there was this nice long pass that he completed to Keaton Thompson up the middle. And it was almost identical play on two other third down situations. Uh, one to Thompson and one to um, Wicks. And one of them, he was intercepted and one of them was almost intercepted. And it was almost identical play, but you saw Armstrong stare down a receiver. And that's something you also didn't see much of that last season. So it, it, Armstrong was definitely off his game. Um, there were times where he underthrew the ball. One of those was that trickeration late in the game where um, you saw Hollins to Thompson, Thompson back to Brendan Armstrong, where he threw to Grant Mish and Mish slipped, but also the ball was underthrown. These are all not what you expect from Armstrong. Last year, you showed a, an ability to throw in tight windows, and he just didn't seem comfortable at all against Illinois. I, I will say, though, that when you look at this game, it, it was like he he was afraid to leave the pocket um, at times, and I, I know I think I think from everything that we've seen and read and heard from the staff is they, they want him to be more of a pocket passer. And I just the, the two plays that stood out to me is when he wasn't a pocket passer, when he rolled left. And then one of them was that big, long reception to Lavelle Davis, where he rolled left and threw out. He, he came out of the pocket and made a throw. That was that was Armstrong from last season. That was the flash where I was like, OK, he's getting going. We didn't see much of that which is a shame. I, I think that's something that I hope to see moving forward. Um, and I know we've been kind of doom and gloom here. So I kind of want to shout out to one particular player because I feel like he's been challenged so much by the staff that I, and last week he didn't have the best day in pass protection, but he graded one of the highest in pass, pass blocking this, this week. And that was Mike Hollins. Um, he did really well in this game as far as pass blocking and protection. And that was a huge improvement from one week to the next. We always say that you see improvement from the first and the second game. And that was true for Mike Collins. In the, in the second half, when you watch the game, he was one of the few guys that was showing urgency. I think everyone can agree there was almost like a lack of urgency on this Virginia offense. The mindset wasn't there, which was, again, strange because we watched him last season and they were honestly like cardiac calves, kind of copying what the basketball team has done. You never counted them out, uh, just especially if Brennan Armstrong is in. You're like, it's Brennan, it's okay. Brennan Armstrong is in. They, they can come back from this. You never had that sensation against Illinois. But Mike Collins was still leaving everything out there in that second half. And he had some nice long, longer runs towards the, towards the back end. And actually, there was one particular long run for Brennan Armstrong that he had a very nice block that helped Armstrong get an extra yard and actually it was Dontavian Wicks that missed his block. Um, if not, I think Armstrong would probably gotten a first down at that point. So he did really well. And actually their, their best pass blockers and it was both running backs, uh, Mike Collins and Paris Jones. 
they did, they had their, they graded out the best according to pro football focus. Again, we have all those grades and snap counts on Wahoo's 24 seven, but those guys graded the best um, in class blocking. Um, so kudos to both of them and especially kudos to Hollins because we've, we've been talking about how much the staff um, has been on him and challenging him. And he did a good job on um, Saturday in that regard. So the one thing moving forward that when you, when you look at what we saw from this game was how do you move forward from this? Obviously there were some holes. Well, there was no holes there. They couldn't run the ball, but the O-line is, it is what it is. Initially, when you looked at first at the O-line, you thought they can scheme around this. That's generally the first thought, you, especially the playmakers Virginia has on offense. You think they can scheme around this. We didn't see much of Billy Kemp. Unfortunately, the only thing you remember from Billy Kemp was that mutt punt that ended up in an Illinois touchdown. That's what you remember Billy Kemp, in this game, Billy Kemp for this game. So when you, when you think of guys that can make an impact, you think of Billy Kemp in the slot. You think of Keaton Thompson in the slot. And actually, when you look back on film, you can see that there was some good success with Keaton Thompson in the slot. So I kind of wish there was more of those. I, I wish there was more jet sweeps. Misters were crossing routes and missing their quick screens. But at the end of the day, if the wide receivers aren't going to win those one-on-one matchups, it's going to be hard for even, you know, those quick screens to do. But it looked like sometimes when they were trying to create something out of nothing, they were always in those first and long. They they always either went for a run on the first, um, first down, which means they were second and long, or they faced a penalty and they were facing second and long at that point. So they always were on their back foot. And even when they weren't in their back foot, it felt like they were trying to do more of their running deep routes, which means they needed more time for the play to create. And by doing that, you're putting so much more pressure on Armstrong on that O-line. So moving forward, that's, that's what I'll be hoping to see more of. Obviously, you want improvement in the O-line, but you also have to work what we have. So I think that's something where you can, you, moving forward, you you might see some adjustment on this offense or you, ex- you expect some adjustment. But again, that was an all, all around game where there was just filled with mental lapses. Guys weren't in their spots. I saw a couple of wide receivers running wrong routes. Um, there were some arguable calls where, especially in that second half about Demix, Demix Starlings probably had a good call for a PI on him um, where he was being manhandled pretty pretty hard um close to the end zone um that that looked like a pi in my eyes but it wasn't called but those illinois dbs were on them and uh uva wide receivers just need to run those one-on-one matchups so a lot of things to work on on the offensive side of the ball which is not something we thought we would be talking about this season yes we thought there was going to be um some o-line issues um that there was going to arise a lot of mental lapses in that game from several playmakers, not just the guys from the old line. So we touched on a little bit about the offense. So we're going to take a quick break. And then after we get back, we're going to talk Virginia defense.
When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to the Godo Podcast. I'm Jack Franchuli for Wahoo's 24-7. And we're recapping Virginia's loss to Illinois. They lost to Illinois 24-3. It wasn't quite the game everyone expected. I think a lot of us thought this was going to be a closer matchup than we got. Um, We broke down extensively what happened on the offensive side of the ball. So we're going to now move and talk about the defensive side of the ball. So again, if you're on YouTube, I'm bringing up the stat sheet. Now, I know what you're going to look at, and you're going to say Illinois had 394 yards of total offense. And they had 198 yards rushing, 196 yards passing. And they were, you know, Chase Brown also had 146 yards on the ground with on 20 carries, averaging 7.3 yards. Yes, they had issues um, stopping the run. But to be fair, I'm going to here do a comparison of going by quarters. To be fair to the Virginia defense. If you were to have told me that UVA's defense had a interception and then had a fumble recovery and then had two three and outs to start the game, you would not think Virginia would only have three points. I don't think that would be in anyone's thought process when you think of how this game was starting. And Virginia's defense had a very, very quick start, which is something they've, they've said they were working on during fall camp. So they did enough to win. Yes, with the overall stat sheet, there's, there's got to be improvements, and they need to adjust a little bit better against the run. You know, when you look at a couple of the mismatches that Illinois heightened, especially with their tight ends, they noticed that mismatch right away and they utilize it. One of them was for a long completion and one of them was for a touchdown. So you, you saw that Illinois identified a good mismatch on that defense. Obviously, Chase Brown did manage to run quite well against Virginia. But at the end of the day, what Virginia defense accomplished against Illinois was enough to win. I think that's what the main thing that I'm taking away from this is. They did enough to win, and they did show improvement again from the first game. And I think that's all you can ask right now. Again, after the first game, I said that this was a work in progress. Obviously, there's a lot of work to do on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, you're getting a nice, slow, and steady progress. 
on the during the first game, what I saw was a a better secondary and a D line they needed to get a little bit more pressure. When you looked at this game and you rewatched the game again, I, I see a secondary that did again very well. Um, yes, there was a couple issues. Um, Fincho Cypress was um, lost his one on one matchup in that long reception for just before Illinois scored again. Um, and I couldn't tell from the TV angle. I didn't attend this game. I'll be attending all the other road games. But I didn't, couldn't tell if Antonio Clary was caught out there a bit. But Cypress did lose that one-on-one matchup in that situation. And again, that was just the wide receiver making a play. So there, there was that situation. But at, at the end, I think the secondary of Antonio Clary, Lex Long, kudos to Lex Long. You had a good game. Jonas Sanker and Anthony Johnson and Fentrell Cypress they had a pretty solid game, um, especially those three safeties. When you look, they did make some impact. I think Lex Long had a very nice stop in the second half just before Illinois scored, but because of Aaron, that was in the second quarter, actually. Aaron Famui had his uh, penalty, which is the one where he had a little bit of a meltdown on the sideline. That was negated, but Lex Long had a nice, had a nice game. And this was a good thing to see because Darius Bratton, was hurt. Darius Bratton didn't play on Saturday uh, due to um, what a source says was a suspected ankle injury. So with Darius Bratton out, you're asking someone else to step into probably one of the most important roles in Coach Rudd's defense. So, and these guys did well. Um, you had Clarion Long had a, and Jonas had, uh, had a pretty successful outing. Um, so I think when you look in that secondary, you think this is where you see the most improvement on that defense. You still want your defensive line to create more havoc and chaos and create more push up front. Sometimes it felt like they couldn't shed their blocks, especially early in the game. But they did make some adjustments during the second half because I saw them make more pressure. You saw Chico Bennett and Camp Butler get to the quarterback a little bit more. You saw some some things change in the second half when it comes to that D-line. So I think what you see from this defensive line is you see their ceiling is a little bit higher. Uh, You see that by making some quick adjustments or just by getting them reps and by getting them more game experience, you're seeing them get better. Now you, you obviously you want them to get stronger and bigger, but you can't get these guys get bigger, but what they have is they are improving. Um, And I think this defense has potential. So. I like what I saw from the defense. Again, they're not world beaters right now. And I know everyone's going to focus in on the on the stats at the end of the game. And yes, they need to improve against the run. They need to improve as a defense. But they have. I think that's the key is that we aren't seeing them go backwards. We're seeing them move steadily forwards. And that's all you want. When I looked at the schedule, I thought that Virginia had a chance to pro- slowly progress throughout the first couple games. I thought Virginia had a chance to progress. Now the offense took a step back, but the defense did not. So I think that's something that we can take positives from this was the defense did take some steps forward. So at the end of the day, it's just like Tony Elliott said, it was a rough day at the office, but there is a chance for them to grow from this game. They face ODU at home next, which on paper, should be a game which UVA should win. Um, obviously, if you ask Virginia Tech, you should not take ODU lightly. 
But this will be a game at Scott Stadium where Virginia has historically in the last few years played well against their opponents. So Virginia is back home against ODU. And like Elliot said, I think a lot of, I think a lot of the things that we saw on Saturday are fixable. Obviously, you're not going to get bigger in the trenches one week to the other. That's just not physically possible. So you have what you have. I think you can, again, I've been I'm preaching this. I think you can scheme certain things around them, but you also need playmakers to make plays. You also need playmakers to get the ball. I think that's the end of the day. You need playmakers to make and playmakers to get separation. You need you need them to be mentally there for four quarters, but you also need to give those playmakers the ball. So Virginia is looking to bounce back against ODU on Saturday. They'll have a couple of recruits there on grounds for visits, and we'll have breakdown of who will be visiting either Thursday or Friday on Wahoo's 24-7. And we'll be back here with a new episode of the podcast on Wednesday. Uh, we'll break down main talking points from Tony Elliott's press conference on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, we'll have our big game preview again here at the on YouTube, as well as wherever you listen to your podcast on Thursday. So again, thank you so much for listening. And if you like what you're hearing, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast and head over to Apple and Spotify and rate and review us. I would really appreciate it. And like I said, we'll be right back here on Wednesday with more on Virginia football as they hope to regroup against ODU on Saturday. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.